What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. This week, we're going to be talking about the UFC 287 pay-per-view going down, the rematch between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. Some might call it the, the fourth fight between them and the co-main Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. Pretty good pay-per-view uh, card, 13 fights on this one. And I'm joined by my man, Ozzy. How are we doing this week, my man? Hey, hey. Excellent. Love a great time of year here. We just uh, came off a very hot um, March Madness, right? Nice NCAA tournament opening day and, uh, you know, nice UFC pay-per-view right here uh, while the weather is getting getting good Uh, back in Miami, Florida with, uh, you know, a card that has a little bit of punch, a lot of intriguing matchups, I feel. Not one that I think it has a ton of um, pieces you could maybe plant your flag in hardcore, in my opinion. But uh, but definitely some interesting matchups, some stuff that will move the you know plenty of divisions forward, and then we got another you know good event uh, next week as well. So definitely looking forward to these these next few. Yeah, and your uh, your Yankees, you know, winning two out of three over the Phillies too. That's a uh, that's another bonus. We did we did dominate. Great pitching performance by my Yanks, and I'm feeling good. I, I we just need all our guys to be healthy, pitching staff. But uh, you know, I I got some futures on the Yanks. And um, we did not have any UFC last week. Uh, going back two weeks, uh, recap, uh, track bets for me, slight loss, minus 1.58 units. But who gives a fuck about that? We hit the plus 2,500 on Nate Landwehr. Um, you know, but between the sub on Landwehr and the sub uh, two plus 2,500, that was the biggest win I've ever had on a single fight. And, you know, hopefully some of you guys are able to tell that shit as well. Losing on Macy Barber was, or on, on Andrea Lee was just brutal. That yeah. was just... That was just devastating. Was just, yeah, don't know what happened there. Truthfully, don't. I, you know, you got you. Like I said, I think uh, the bets I had, I think I lost three split decisions. Right. Mm. So obviously, the Marlon Vera one, you know, was a split decision. I'm keeping <laughs> that one in there. But you know, the you just, you just want to be able to come out ahead if you're you know coming out ahead on. Split decisions, like all of them were plus money, right? Andrea Lee, the Preston Parsons, or it was even money, I guess, Preston Parsons, the Daria fight. So if we're betting on plus money sides and they're going to split decisions, even as sketchy as the Marlon Vera one is, like we know, right? It's Texas, all these kinds of things. Like we're going to come out ahead, but you know, that, 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 that was, uh, that 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 uh, week definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. Sure. Yeah, I got lucky on winning Derive. I feel, uh, and then unlucky on Lee. I mean, I feel like Derive though was uh, definitely a great bet. Like you're like you know, even yeah, with him true. not being able to not pressing the takedowns, like it was even on the feet. Like Chitty had his preferred fight for a lot of that, and he couldn't win. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it was I, good. I, I was not comfortable with the decision. Don't get me wrong. I thought Parsons honestly definitely deserved that. I mean, I, I understand how he lost it, but I mean, this shit was so long ago, though. Let's not dredge up any more bad feelings. But we could have easily gotten the Parsons and Andre Lee one, and we would have been up. Fantastic. We would have been up. It's a yeah. great night, you know. But yeah, we would have been up astronomically um, if those two came forward. Um, 
And um, I, I did look through this, though, like looking at the past few Florida events, uh, looking at the judging. I think it's pretty solid overall. You know, there's been a few split decisions. Um, but I think like looking at the decisions from the past few events, I think the Florida judges are a lot more consistent uh, than the Texas judges. So hopefully we'll have to worry about that a little less here. And let's get into these fights. 13 fights kicking it off in the women's strawweight division. One of three women's fights on the card. Uh, Jacqueline uh, Amora making a UFC debut. Sam Hughes coming on the other side. And the odds for this one are uh, Jacqueline minus 260. Sam Hughes plus 220. Um, so I have Sam Hughes here for, for a unit. Um, and I just think that... Uh, you know, I like the UFC experience of Sam Hughes here. Uh, and I just think that, uh, you know, Morham definitely has potential. She's, uh, you know, a high-level jiu-jitsu woman. And then she actually has a little bit of power in her hands as well. But I just feel the women that she's fighting are, are really, really bad. And she's running through them with such little resistance. And she's never been out of round one. So, to me, I think Sam Hughes is the best striker she's fought. I think Sam Hughes is the best defensive grappler she's fought. And she's clearly the most experienced woman she's fought ever as well. So um, uh, Amora might be super legit, might run through Sam Hughes here. Uh, but I'll be willing to play the, the uh, plus 225 price to, to see if uh, Jacqueline is legit. So, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so, you know, Jacqueline, very, very, in my opinion, high-level prospect coming in here into the MMA game. Um, you know, the jujitsu, in my opinion, from my eyes, just looks a little bit uh, more into the style that you would kind of uh, want to see the women's game gravitate towards in terms of how to implement the gra grappling game, the opportunities you're looking you're looking for, you know, the you know places she's looking to control um, and just <clears throat> spend time in, you know, very advantageous positions. I think the best thing a grappler can do is you know bypass guard bypass like you know put themselves in positions like top you know uh side control mount back mount you know even top half guard you know places where you're going to be able to quickly get to a finish if your partner uh you know makes a mistake and i think she does a lot of those things obviously she's not that tested overall but she's been training at att for a while now i do think this girl is pretty serious she was over um little more north than like south carolina i think and then uh moved down uh to florida to start training with those girls full time maybe like two a year ago or two years ago um you know hughes is much more proven tested you know she's fought a lot of prospects they've given her a lot of girls that you know they they didn't think she would be and she's kind of come out you know more or less you know 500 whatever it may be but the fights that she's won is when she's had a grappling advantage and i don't think that's gonna be the case here um and usually i don't really worry about these girls uh tiring out too much you know in the in the female division so i think jacqueline eventually is gonna they're gonna you know come in start grappling gonna slip around to the sam hughes's back and uh you know choke her out yeah, they have a, a more decision at a bigger price than Hughes. They have her plus 300 by decision while Hughes is plus 240. That's strange. They, I mean, I guess they just think that, that Jacqueline's going to gas out if it gets out of round one. But, um, you know, I think that that might be a, an easy, interesting way to play Jacqueline uh, by decision. The under here, the under here is uh, this, like, I think there should be some action in this fight. I don't Because like Hughes, that. like, I was... Uh, uh, before we started here, I was talking to Martian is in my opinion, Hughes, she's like what I say, she's like not a neutralizer. She has to fight you wherever you want to take the fight. You know, she'll go into it and she'll scrap, you know, but she doesn't really control where the fights go. 
Um, so she's either going to be surviving some stuff that goes on and then, you know, putting in offense or going both blow for blow or something. But I think there's going to be action in this fight. Perennial underdog, this woman. Been an underdog in all seven of her UFC fights. And she, she's just used hmm. to this role. Might also, be the only person that's ever been the uh, the case for. Yeah. And safe side you, Force MMA has been down astronomically lately. They really need a, a comeback win. Um, so um, next fight, uh, featherweight di- division, Steve Garcia uh, taking on Shalinian. And the odds for this one are Shalinian minus 181, Garcia plus 156. What are you thinking about this one? This is another somewhat intriguing style matchup, you know, and on the handicapping side of things because, you know, Garcia, he's bullied a lot of people over the course of his career. He used to be a 135-er, would consistently miss weight, but, you know, he even fought like Joe Warren, I think, in, you know, in Bellator. So he did that, <clears throat> moved up to 145, consistently miss weight, moved up to 155. I think he might even miss weight at that at that weight um, before. He's at 145. You know, I don't think that he's going to knock out Nerland Bekov. I think Nerland Bekov kind of, he keeps his hands up. He's kind of, his conditioning is obviously pretty good. He is a strong guy as well. So I think he should be able to, uh, you know, if he even does get stunned or, you know, Steve Garcia does like doing a lot of like dirty boxing, come in tight, start throwing knees, elbows. You know, he, he, he he's a nasty dude, you know, overall. But I think that uh, Nerland Bekov does have the grappling advantage. I do think um, eventually this will go to the clinch. Nerland Bekov maybe gets a takedown or two in here. I think this is going to be a very active fight. I can see it being close. I can see why people are taking some of Steve Garcia at the plus money. But the guy's kind of just a guy, guy that doesn't always show up for 15 minutes, has mental lapses. You saw him get body triangle by Luis Pena super easily, misses weight consistently. You know, not just not a guy, you know, I, I kind of want him back, even at underdog money. So, you know, I, I would lean towards Nerland Bekov to win this fight. Um, but probably one overall going to be a pass for me. Very brave of you to even try to pronouncing that that last name. I'm just going oh. with uh, with Shalinian here. Shalinian. Um, this guy's had like so many different names in his UFC career. Um, but um, I just thought uh, I understand, you know, having a, an inclination to bet the underdog here. Um, but I, I couldn't get myself to do it. I just think that Garcia, when it, whenever he's on the feet, um, he could have success here. You know, I think that's probably his bi- biggest uh potential for success um is you know landing that straight left hand on chilinian uh but the guy just gets so wild and he has like no composure in there when he's striking i mean he gets off balance his feet are all over the place and uh, chilinian has pretty good wrestling and i just think that with how wild garcia is he's going to be putting himself out of position and he's going to give himself up to be taken down uh chilinian can seem to hit takedowns uh, throughout the full three rounds of the fight as well I think he had a little bit of cardio lapses in the TJ Brown fight, but was able to power through it and dig deep to get that round three. Um, and I just think that even if Garcia throws up a little sub off his back, maybe gets a sweep, I think eventually Shalinian will still get the better of the exchanges here. And I can't really shake that image in my head of uh, of Garcia getting controlled for long stretches by Luis Pena, just getting rolled out from half guard, the back take. Shalinian is capable of taking backs. And uh, last point I'll say is uh, Garcia... Uh, Ozzy was talking about his weight cutting troubles, bouncing through all these weight classes. He hasn't fought a whole lot of punchers. He did face a puncher in Mahashate at 155. He got slept badly, but at 145, he's had a lot of forgiving matchups. And, you know, we can't forget that this guy's chin is wide open in the air. He doesn't have uh, good durability, and Shalini could clip him on the feet. So I think Shalini could KO him on the feet. He has a clear wrestling path here. And I just think that that 
will mean that uh, the price is pretty accurate with the money lines here. Um, so no bets on that one for me. Um, next fight, uh, Trey Ogden taking on Ignacio Bahamonde as a 160-pound catchweight fight here. Uh, Ogden was supposed to fight a few weeks ago. That fight got scrapped. Uh, Ignacio was supposed to fight Nicholas Mota. That fight got scrapped. So they matched these two guys up, and you got Ignacio as a big favorite, minus 340, Trey Ogden plus 280. Uh, so this pretty clear as you know striker versus grappler matchup uh, ogden uh, probably will not have a chance to win the fight if it stays on the feet uh and he's going to be looking to get this fight on the floor uh, the guy you know does you know watch tape and seems like a pretty intelligent fighter so i think he will come in with a wrestling game plan uh and bahamanda's takedown defense it seems pretty good uh but it really hasn't been tested by like a lot of uh, good grapplers and uh, off his back, uh, again, a, a bit of a question mark. I think he, we could probably point to some of his old fights and say that he is not good off of his back, but he also hasn't been there uh, in the past several years at all. So he could be, he could have good get-ups off his back or he could be a, just a fish off his back. There's a big spectrum of where this could be. So uh, obviously, I don't think he could be laying juice or, or parlaying even Baja Mondes at this price. I think if you're looking to take him, you'd be wanting to take uh, KO at plus 200. Um, he's not like a, a massive puncher, but you know, if, if Ogden can't get this fight on the floor, I mean, he's going to get lit up with strikes all night long. So, um, you know, I think Bahamanda should win, should probably knock him out. Maybe look to play like a two, three KO for, for Baja here. Um, one of the sickest names in the UFC to Ignacio Bahamandes. Any thoughts on this fight? No, I love Ignacio Bahamandes. Like you said, amazing name. You know, I, I love, uh, when, uh, you know, people like on on like different countries, you know, in Latin America, like uh, like his uh, get to get to shine as well. But uh, but yeah, I think so. Overall, I I kind of like this fight to finish. Um, just because the what you were mentioning about Bahamande's uh ground game side of things definitely valid. Um, you know, you kind of see. You know, I watched him. I think it was against Preston Parsons get taken down early in his career. You know, get uh get submitted there uh with an uh. Is that Preston Parsons? Yes, uh, with an armbar. Um, you know, easy footage to see that. But he he did look a lot better. I I do feel in that Zurong fight, and I think that's why uh you know this line has uh crept up uh, a bit because Shrey Ogden just one dimensional guy overall. He he does have some good grappling. He's a black jiu-jitsu, uh, legitimate. Go, goes for a lot of guillotines. You know, um, you know has com- competed a few times as well. Um, but on the feet, you know, you saw him be scared of like Jordan Levitt's like, you know, little leg kicks. Bahamandes is huge. They're giving him a five pound, you know, now weight, you know, uh, buffer, right? Cause Ogden, you know, had to make weight like two weeks ago, but that's freaking good for Bahamandes too. This guy's mad. This guy should be like 170. Uh, if he ate and drank water, um, he, 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 he'd be like 185. Um, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so I like this doesn't go the distance. Even maybe like, it's kind of sneaky that, um. Baja Mondays is plus 750 submission and Trey Ogden's plus 700 by submission. So I kind of maybe like ends by submission and the under. Because I just feel like Trey Ogden, if you could get guillotined by, what's his name, uh, Thomas Gifford, you could get guillotined by Baja Mondays. Yeah, that's not a bad point. And uh, he's also, I mean, 25. He's coming off of a year and two months layoff. I mean, uh, you could clearly see that Bahamundas is making big improvements fight to fight over the past few years, and he's probably just going to continue to level up off that year layoff. So Treyogda is not winning a decision. It's not. No, it's not well, unless he completely just re- keeps him on the floor for long periods of time. 
It's possible, but unlikely. He, that would be that um, would mean that he definitely would have felt good off of that five extra pounds. But we'll see. But interesting stuff, actually. He did cut weight too, uh, for a few weeks ago. So he's probably the one with the little. He's bit a of big. He's a big uh, one fifty five. He's not small. Uh, next fight: women's strawweight division. Cynthia Calvillo, Lupi Godinez. Uh, this fight is uh, favored with Lupi minus three hundred, Calvillo plus two fifty. Man, this one's a tough one to analyze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, obviously you were burned real bad, you know, last time when we spoke about my girl, Lupi Godinez. I, I, I apologize for her hurting you. I did not join in. I was only hurt emotionally by that loss, not financially, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is always a good thing, you know. Uh, and, and they quickly and, uh, and don't get too much uh, your finances tied up, guys. Always a, a, good, uh, a good thing to, to remember to do. Um, but the overall, Cindy Cavio, you know, she's at 115 now again, which obviously was not good for her in the past. Like, she would couldn't make weight. Like, I don't know what was going on with her. But, like, the reason that she used to beat some of these other girls before was because, like, she had a pace of grappling that would, like, you know, overwhelm girls. But other than that, if that didn't happen, you know, she was never really that good, in my opinion. You know, I think against Jessica I, like Jessica I almost died making 125. Like she was, you know, convulsing. I, I think you, you might remember that, right, Martian? She was like consistently shaking. Like I thought she was gonna have a seizure. And then she had to fight freaking Calvillo the next day. Um, so that didn't go good for her. And I just feel like, you know, Loopy, when she does get the fight to the ground. You know, I think she does have pretty solid control. I just think that maybe some sneaky submission ability might be there for Cynthia Calvillo. But I think this is a good bounce back for Loopy style-wise. You know, she needs to stay away from maybe like some tricky submissions that Cynthia could do early. But Cynthia looked trash in that last fight that she had. Um, so like there's zero confidence that I think that she's going to be able to hang with Loopy for you know more than maybe you know a few minutes around maybe um because at 115 like i just don't think like look at her she fought her last fight was in california was in that uh dia um not diaz cruz uh vera fight she weighed in her fight night weight that day was 136 dude she's a bit she's <laughs> she's gonna be eating so um but that was at 125 I know, yeah, but I'm saying like it's not easy for these girls at 35 to be the going. Who do you know goes down to 115, dude? It doesn't happen. Who the hell does that? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So who from does okay, that? so she's gonna be cutting basically 20 pounds here. Um, I mean, I just it's just like why? I just don't think that she's gonna be. In this when was the last time she even fought at 115? It was a long time ago, dude. Well, she. She fought Marina Rodriguez and she missed weight by five pounds. Yeah, she missed weight against Pollyanna Batello as well. So she'd be struggling uh, Casey, to make 115. The Casey fight she made 116. Which was uh, four years ago. Yeah. yeah so, so I mean, looking at the, it's a women's MMA fight. One woman is 300. So you can immediately disqualify her from considering betting. And then, you know, plus 250 on Calvio. I mean, Calvio just doesn't interest me in any capacity as, as an MMA fighter. Like, I have no faith uh, have in her, her at all. No, no, she's, no. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't see any bets. I mean, maybe look at like a method of victory for Godina, like maybe Godina is sub at six to one. But uh, I mean, Calvillo, it, I don't think the so. One, dude. The her, one thing her, she does is grappling. So her submission ability looked not that good against the little Jack little girl. Yeah, I don't but know. But I, I think no. the thing here would be Godina is just wearing her out, you know, like on like a kind of like a wrestling match, you know, in like those wrestling matches when then you're like, you're not even shooting on the guy anymore. Like you're like snapping him down and like running and then going behind him for two points. Like that's what I think a finish here would be. But Godina is inside the distance, you know, 350. Godina is round, th- round three. I mean, this girl, Jessica, you know, Jessica put her down with like a little body shot at 125. How big of a sh- or no, or she just tapped out. Like she might be Andrade, Jessica Andrade, oh, not yeah, Jessica Andrade. No, Jessica Andrade. <laughs> but yeah, she might um, be a little no. soft to the body, dude. Yeah, and with the weight cut, so um, did it, did maybe it, maybe, maybe it her, late rounds props. Did she three. get her calf fucked up too bad by Nina? Like she, yes. she might be on that Marlon Vera track or Marlon uh Marais track, dude. Or that Rob Font track. Yeah, I uh. I admit to you guys, sorry, I did not rewatch Cynthia Calvillo versus <laughs> Nina Nunez preparing for this fight or for this card. Um, uh, I, I know what I'm talking about. Nina, Nina hit her with some good calf kicks. Well, we've got we have to move on reluctantly, Ozzy, because we have a banger in the next fight: Carl Williams versus Chase Sherman, one of Ozzy's favorite all time fighters. He's back. Another perennial oh, underdog, Chase Sherman. Sign Plus the check, Dana. <laughs> Carl Williams minus four ten. Sherman plus 310. Carl Williams coming in on here on complete short notice off the couch, and he's still <laughs> like Chase, easy minus. Like Chase Sherman? <laughs> Hell yeah. Sign me up. They're like, yeah, Sign hey, Carl. Me. Hey, Carl, we have a fight. And he's like, no, not yet. I'm not ready for it. They're like, wait, wait, wait. Wait till you hear the opponent. It's Chase Sherman. He goes, oh, okay. You just have I'm to ready. say that. I'm fucking ready. He's like, um, you ever see, you know, like TurboTax or whatever, like, um, you ever see like those inflatable guys that like, you know, that you, you pump air in them and like your arms yeah, are yeah. flapping them. That, that's how Carl William, like the Holy Spirit went into his fucking body. When he heard, <laughs> when he heard yeah. it was Shea Sherman, bro. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, it just seems like how's, how's Williams going to win? Is he going to finish him or is he going to dis- decision him? This guy seems like a total lay and pray, completely content to lay and pray. If you remember Carl Williams last fight, he actually like flash dropped uh Brezky at one point and then just went right back to just laying on him and doing nothing. Uh, and, and Brezky looked extremely tired three minutes into that fight. Uh, and Williams did not, did not even consider finishing him. So I don't know. I think that, I think that everything points to Williams just not having any interest in finishing these fights, and that probably means this one's gonna, you know, stretch to a decision. It'll probably be a Carl Williams decision. Um, that's plus one thirty. If you're feeling like like gambling on the fight, that seems like a, a little bit of a, a butt clenching bet, but it should probably hit, right? What do you, are you What are you thinking? Dude, I'm laughing. Like I, I literally have tears in my eyes. Like I had to mute myself there while you were talking because I'm just thinking like the fact that like Chase Sherman's back, he's in the 305. You know, he moved down to Florida, right? They got him the 305. I like that little clip that he had on like one of the embeddeds or the countdown or whatever it was. Like he was doing some stupid shit, and it was perfect, dude. But um, how did they match this fight up? This is a crazy fight to match up. Like, I guess, like, they really want to get Sherman paid. You know what I mean? Like, where was this energy for Michael Chiesa? Right? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, they're like, no. I don't like their own analyst. Like, yeah, Michael Chiesa, Anthony Smith, no favors Smith, are being dealt. No favors to these fucks. 
they must pay them good behind the desk. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I think here, this fight, I mean, I feel that Carl is just going to take this dude down so easily. Like, it, So I do think that pound stoppage is super live here. Like, that's the thing. I don't think that Carl Williams has enough control to any any point get a submission on Chase. Maybe like a rear naked choke, but it would come after heavy strikes. Heavy. But there's no way that I want to bet plus 115 for him to finish a fight. Like, that's crazy. Um, So, so yeah. this fight, smoke break. Yeah, maybe I don't know. There probably won't even be the same game probably for this fight because it's fight, a prelim. This fight um, is funny as fuck, dude. How long? Yeah, is the, the one thing about his finishing for for fin uh, another like bad point for Carl finishing is he is taking this fight on short notice, so he's probably going to be cognizant of like I need to you know conserve my energy. So he's probably going to be looking to do as little as possible on his way to a win here. And we got robbed of Chase Sherman versus fucking. Uh, that was brutal. Yeah, uh, Chris Barnett, bro, that would have been that would have been peak pay per view entertainment. Yeah, whoever whoever matched those two up, great job, I love it. Um, speaking of peak pay per view entertainment, next fight, middleweight division, the best division in the in the UFC. Gerald Mearshar taking on Joe Pfeiffer, B Joe Pfeiffer versus GM three. Um, and then we have the odds for this one: Pfeiffer minus one ninety, Mearshar plus one sixty five. Um. I think it's your turn to talk about this. Yes, first. interesting fight. Yeah, so, you know, this fight here, I've been a big supporter of Joe Pfeiffer all the time. All his fights, I've been a supporter. Ozzy Diaz fight, supporter. Um, And I, th I think he's got talent. And obviously, the guy's still only 26. But this is a stern. You know, the guy has, what, like 10 fights, 12 fights? You know, GM3, like, this dude, I mean, you know grizzled grizzled vet you know the guy just loves to fight he's kind of like a modern day i guess like jeremy horn um but like with like skills and like you know just like super modern but like that's how i think of it like a dude's always looking to throw down great submission game um and he's made a big move to um Killcliffe fc so he's working down there um i think he's bringing a lot of a lot of the great attributes and you know style that that he's used and and, and worked on you know with henry or not henry hook Duke Rufus and like his all overall all the experience that GM3 has and um I think he's gonna maybe rack up some wins here coming out of you know um you know mixing it in with hoof but I, this is a tough test here against or a tough fight for him as well obviously he is an underdog against Pfeiffer because Pfeiffer you know he's got some power he saves meat and potatoes in my opinion on the feet he's kind of you know he has kind of like a singular goal you know a lot of times before he's looking to land you know, very often. Um, and I think that works well for him. And then in the grappling sense, I do think he's continuing to improve. I do think he's got a good baseline. This is a guy that has been training since he was kind of like a kid, you know, more or less. Um, but there is definitely some scenarios GM3 could put him in here that I could see him getting finished. Um, but overall, I do like Pfeiffer's power. Um, I do think that he has uh, maybe a little bit better wrestling when fresh. Um, but trusting him to make the right decisions uh, for 15 minutes against a guy like Mershart, if he's not finding a kill switch, which I'm not sure if he is, um, is not something I want to do at uh, minus 200. Um, but I, I, I do think I kind of maybe like the over here, uh, maybe a little tentative at first, Southpaw versus Orthodox, and uh, Pfeiffer being a more of a power-based puncher, maybe measure himself a little bit. So I like the over one and a half overall. Yeah, so I think uh, 
Pfeiffer uh, definitely has some promise and he's uh, definitely leveled up in his past few years. Um, you know, I followed him a lot throughout, you know, his regional scene. And, uh, you know, you you saw the moment when he switched uh, from his old gym to his new gym with Marquez MMA and which just started training with a lot more like fellow pro fighters. Uh, you know, in the first half of his career, he he just wasn't getting a lot of, you know, reps with other, you know, uh fighters at his level and now that he is on a consistent basis you can see him you know clearly getting better so this is his toughest test of his uh, mma career though by a pretty significant margin i mean the only the next best opponent was probably uh dustin stolfoots and even though you know they did have a close fight gm3 and him uh gm3 just career-wise you know so so much more accomplished i mean he has four times the amount of fights as joe um, he's been in the UFC a long, long time. And, uh, you know, Gerald's you know, not a good athlete, right? He, he, he's a bit slow. Uh, he can be hittable at times. He, he can be taken down. Uh, but you know, the guy has actually had a pretty successful MMA and UFC career by just having, you know, incredible resilience and, uh, being a pretty skilled fighter in a striking and grappling. It's just not really, you know, flashy. It doesn't really catch the eye because he, he is, you know, slow and unathletic, but he f finds a way to win fights. He's crafty in there and he has fought, you know, so many, uh, up and coming guys who are, they're like, Hey, there's some, you know, knockout artists knocking everybody out. They feed them to GM three. And, you know, sometimes they pass that test. Sometimes they don't. And we've seen fighters a lot more promising than Joe Pfeiffer fail that GM three test. Most uh, recently, you know, you know, uh, Mahmoud Muradov, you know, was, uh, what, 23 and one or something minus 700 favorite and, you know, got blown out of the water by GM three. Um, and, something happened in that fight that is something that could happen here. It is that Murdoff hurt him early and, you know, GM three just found a way to survive. He clung on, he clinched up, he waited and he came back like he always does. That's the thing about GM three is we've seen him, t uh, have adversity in his fights and he has battled back from that. Like literally dozens of times while Joe Pfeiffer, really hasn't done that. He he has won fights where he has uh you know won the fight the entire time and then finished the guy. He looked good the entire fight. That that's good in its own right. But uh at the UFC when you start meeting higher level guys, you want to be able to see guys who are able to battle back from some adversity and then get the fight uh, win the fight as it goes on. A recent fight that's an example of that is uh Mark Andre Barry versus Marquez. You know, you saw MAB take some shit early, but he was never really in that much danger cuz he He's just so comfortable in, you know, competitive fights. And when the second round hit, it was all MAB. And I think a similar story could could happen here where Gerald's, you know, certainly going to be in some danger round one. Obviously, where when Pfeiffer has his most power, uh, he could get clipped. He could get knocked out here. And, uh, you know, Pfeiffer could pass that, that litmus test. But if this gets into the second round, I just think it's going to be the toughest test of Pfeiffer's career by a, a, a tall margin. Uh, and the times we've seen Pfeiffer go in around two, round three, uh, they've been against lower level fighters uh, and his cardio has failed him once, uh, you know, the, the, his one loss uh, against Patti, you know, he totally gassed out and got choked out in that fight. So uh, with his style as well, with him maybe looking to shoot takedowns as like that safety layer, if Pfeiffer starts getting tired and he starts shooting a little lazy takedowns on GM3, his neck is going to be in all sorts of trouble. He can get, you know, Darst, Anaconda, guillotined. He can get triangled. He can get, you know, armbarred. I mean, GM3 can just attack subs from so many different angles that I think this fight um, really favors him outside of the first round. So 
I expect GM3 to, you know, be risk adverse early on, use that big cage, circle a lot, you know, use that southpaw body kick of his to maintain some distance on the feet and just look to get Pfeiffer, you know, unfamiliar in there. Um, And to Ozzy's point about the over, Pfeiffer was taking his time versus Amadowski, very patient in there, just looking for the right shot. He eventually found it. Uh, But, uh, you know, if that same approach happens here, we could, you know, we could see this fight sail over one and a half rounds. So um, I've got a lot of thoughts here. I have, um, you know, pretty good confidence in gm3 here i understand you know pfeiffer being a slight favorite maybe minus 130 but i can't definitely can't go past minus 150 for pfeiffer so i've got a bet on gm3 obviously very aware that he could get uh slept early here but uh i think i'll i'll take my man to withstand the early storm and uh you know come back late to get a second or third round sub here that i'm sure that's a very juicy price on FanDuel as well uh gm3k or sub two three let me pull that bitch up here before we move on haven't looked at the props enough for uh, this card this week, but uh, it's only plus 650. That's not that good. Um, but um, we'll be moving along here uh, to the women's strawweight division. Michelle Waterson, Luana Pinheiro for the third and final women's fight on the card. Uh, Pinheiro is the favorite at minus 180, I believe. Oh, no, minus 162, plus 142 for Michelle Waterson. Uh, going back and rewatching Pinheiro, I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty choppy, man. I mean, on the feet, she doesn't do a whole lot. She can explode with a little combination every now and then. Uh, but, you know, when these two women are just kind of staring at each other at distance, I do expect Michelle to be landing that sidekick of hers all day and just doing Ooh, that. Typical, you think? Just doing that. Just doing that typical that typical karate shit she always does. And she'll look good for moments. You'll think, oh, man, Watterson's doing good. You know, this is going good for her. And then eventually she'll get a kick caught. She'll slip. She'll get thrown. A head and arm throw will ensue. I guarantee you guys, I fucking guarantee you, there will be head and arm throws in this fight. Um, I would set the line at, honestly, minus 900. So. Uh, I think Michelle will be doing well at periods of time, just like she was in her last fight. And then eventually she, you know, dives into a guillotine against Limos. So uh, I don't think Pinheiro has really impressed me at all in her MMA career yet. But I think, you know, her 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 ability to just get like a random takedown at any moment will probably get her, uh, you know, get two takedowns here, get uh, Waterson on the ground and uh, probably win her the fight. But I don't know, man. I don't think there's any bets to be made on this fight. This is terrible. Yeah, you know what? I was, I've been not thinking about this fight all that much. You know, I did look at, you know, I, I've, I've watched a lot of Pinero's fights live. I, I think I missed a little bit of the Waterson one, the last one. So I had to watch her a little bit again. And actually, now I'm kind of even like internalizing a little bit more. And I kind of lean just more towards the Waterson side, just like the experience of, like I said, you know, was telling you, yeah, you know, Pinero, she's explosive. She's got like those throws and stuff like that. Um, that are very sudden and effective, but like she doesn't know. That's the thing. She doesn't know how to win like the little spots, like the, the in-betweens, like the clinch work, maybe when like you're throwing knees or whatever it is, like, um, you know, the being crafty and kind of like looking where to, when to score and when to use your energy. Um, and you know, Michelle, she's looking, I mean, she always looks to come in really good shape, honestly. So I think that she, um, when she goes into training camp, she takes it seriously and she usually does overperform, in my opinion. Um, and Luana is a little sketchy of a girl. So I'm going to make her prove it to me maybe one more time. And I think I'm going to try to take a little of this Michelle money line because I do think it might slim down a little bit more. But uh, we'll see. Not a, not a play with a lot of conviction, but I think this might close a little bit lower. 
Michelle getting up there in age, though. Thir- 37 for our woman. And uh, don't forget, Luana Pinheiro, boyfriend or uh, girlfriend of uh, Mateus Nicolau, who uh, may or may not be fighting uh, soon up, up here and coming. Let's move on. Um, th- um, this will be uh, another uh, middleweight fight next, uh, but not one that I endorse uh, as an entertaining one. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum versus Chris Curtis. The line for this one has been going for, back and forth. Uh, Gastelum minus 135. Chris Curtis mi- plus 115. This was, uh, I think Curtis was favored for a, a week or two. It was picking for a while. Now the market seems to be liking Gastelum. Uh, what do you think about the line movement here? Any middleweight fight is all right with me. Uh, and this one, uh, this one is a middleweight fight, so it's all right with me. So, yeah, you know, one is one. I didn't, I didn't really see his matchup coming, just because I one, I, I usually think that Kelvin's just never gonna fight. Um, you know, he's always pulling out of fights, and I really don't, I really never been a Kelvin guy. Um, you know, I never really backed him too much in, in many of his fights. Uh. I think I have faded him even in the Jockery fight. I think that's the only time I remember losing on him. Um, and or I don't whatever it doesn't matter. Um, but here I kind of like Chris Curtis, and the reason I like Chris Curtis a little bit is one obviously always the activity, the activity of Chris Curtis. You know, I think when he's in, you know, in line and in tune, um, you know, he's he he's pretty he's a tough out at the very at the very worst. Um, and can connect and land big on the best guys in the division at his best. Um, and I just think that I'm more likely to get Chris Curtis's best here in a, in a fight here against Kelvin than I am Kelvin. Like, Kelvin is always hurt. He's, you know, moved over to, to, to Arizona, but he still has got these weight problems. Like, you hear, you see any of the videos that Kelvin puts out, and, like, it's like a video, right? So it's like, it just they're just recording the day-to-day and man his coaches are terrified about the weight cut for the kelvin gaslam it's the only thing they talk about and it's clear man this guy he's saying he's doing all these kinds of th- kelvin's lazy dude you don't become not lazy as a professional athlete when you're 31 years old bro like it just doesn't happen so you know i think you know, to get into the matchup wise of it, you know, Kelvin his wrestling has never been overwhelming. You know, I th- I I do think he used it well against Ian Heinish, but other than that, he's not really used it too effectively against many guys here at middleweight. Um, like l- literally ever. Um, Chris Curtis has great takedown defense. So the people telling me that Chris Curtis is gonna get taken, and then what's gonna happen? Like Kelvin's gonna like submit him. Like I don't really see it happening. So I feel Chris Curtis, he'll be able to maybe in the clinch get to neutral positions, you know, fight his way out of them, you know, uh, when he has to. And then when I think he needs to pick up the pace, I think he'll be able to. And then I'll see, we'll see who could take whose punches a, a bit better. But I do like the plus money on Chris Curtis here. Yeah, I don't have much of an opinion on this fight, except for I wouldn't lay juice on either guy. You know, uh, both these guys are historically known for being low-volume fighters, not really throwing a whole lot of strikes. Uh you know, that's that's been the case of both these guys entire career. And if these guys stay on the feet with one another, we might be seeing them, you know, land 10, 12, 15 strikes around. These rounds are going to be really close. Uh, and Kelvin having the, the wrestling upside is probably enough for me to side with him here. If anybody is hitting takedowns here, it's going to be Kelvin. And, you know, we did see him, you know, go to the, that wrestling and, and use it to win effectively against Ian Heinish. Heinish, a guy who had really good scrambling and takedown uh, ability, 
just a few fights ago. Uh, and then Kelvin was able to ground him and keep him down, you know, more than anybody else has in, in his career. So uh, Kelvin's offensive wrestling is actually pretty legit when he can go to it. But uh, Chris Curtis's takedown defense is also steadily improving as well, as we've seen in some fights. So I, I just think that Kelvin um, has more potential to win this one, clearly. Uh, we also can't forget that Chris Curtis was, you know, going toe to toe, getting jabbed by Rodolfo Vieira. Uh, just a fight or two ago and I just think Chris is all he's always like losing on the feet until he lands a big punch and changes everything and I think that he could lose this fight on the feet and he could certainly lose it on the ground with that wrestling disadvantage of him so I think Kelvin is actually the the deserved slight favorite here but um I don't know man betting on money line in this fight seems really greasy to me uh GGD in the market is sharp in this one man uh, in the minus 200 range I could see this one going to split. I could see if it's if it's plus four hundred to go to split, that could be a good bet on this one, just because uh, historically Kelvin fights do go to split. Um, that's enough about that one. Last fight, or actually no, that was the last prelim. We are now in the main card, five fight main card. First fight in the bantamweight division, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. taking on Christian Rodriguez. Rosas Jr. the favorite minus two twenty five. Rodriguez plus one ninety. Um, so, uh, Raul, obviously, you know, the young, the young phenom, the youngest fighter in UFC history, uh, looks like a solid grappler. Um, but obviously his striking doesn't look too good. He did have some sloppy moments in that Mando Gutierrez fight where he lost position and got overzealous. Uh, and you know, he definitely proved that he he's, I, I was kind of joking about it, obviously him, him being a phenom. He, he's no prodigy on the mat, right? I mean, the guy is very good for his age. Uh, he can wrestle and he can mix in his top game pretty well. But I mean, his his top game is, is you know, nothing to write home about. I would say it's it's definitely above average, but it's nowhere near, I would say, a high level yet. So um, Rodriguez, uh, though, is not a good. You're wrestler. sure. You're him. sure about that. Yeah, I, I am. I am. I'm positive. I mean, did you, do you remember the Mando Gutierrez fight when he fell off the back kick three? I do. Rem- I do remember when the 17 year old. When that. When the, I, I remember when the 17 year old fell off the guy's back. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about 17 year olds. We're talking about if it's high level or not, and it's not. Um. So Rodriguez, though, uh, his takedown defense is bad. He's not a good wrestler. Um, but he is good at, you know, defending submissions. He's good off his back. I mean, to me, this fight seems, um, you know, fairly clear is that Rodriguez was able to go on short notice versus JSP, who's a better wrestler, a better grappler, who's bigger, uh, and just a better fighter than uh, Raul Rosas. And he was able to survive submission attempt after submission attempt and make it to a decision, um, in that fight. So to me, I don't think Rosas is going to submit him. It, to me, it doesn't seem logical that, uh, that Rosas is going to be able to do that. Um, you know, I think Rosas probably has, you know, better jujitsu than JSP, but JSP is a better wrestler. He is so much more physical. He's so much bigger. Uh, and, you know, so much deeper in his MMA career that if JSP couldn't do it, I, I don't see a reason for Rosas to do it. So I think this fight should get extended. It should see, you know, probably the full three rounds. Um, but, um, man, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I think that Rosas will get takedowns early. He will win round one and you're going to get Rodriguez at a better live price. So um, I, I'm interested in Rodriguez from a dog pers- perspective, but I, I'm just quite certain that he's going to be a bigger underdog live. I don't think he's stopping the early takedowns. Josh Weems was able to take him down a few times. 
you know, had side control on him briefly. So I think Rosas will take him down. We'll probably put him in some bad spots in round one. And then let's see how it's going. If if Rodriguez is showing good signs of defense, then maybe look to lie bet Rodriguez uh, in the later rounds. Because on the feet, you know, Rodriguez is, is a good fighter. I don't think he's I think he's a good fighter everywhere at all phases of the fight. Um, and it's a good test for Rawood. It really is. It, 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 I like the matchup. Uh, you know, they're putting it on the main card. Obviously, they have high, high hopes for Rosas Jr. And, you know, with the recent merger, you know, if this were, you know, WWE, you know, Rosas would not lose yet. It doesn't make sense for Rosas to lose on this pay-per-view yet. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're if you're into those narratives. Uh, but, yeah, really good piece of matchmaking here. Uh, last thing I'll say is um, I think I'm going to bet for the uh, the fight to start round three. I think it will see the third round. What are you thinking? Oh, one sec. My bad, guys. Uh, yes. So you know, um, you know, main main card opener fight here. Um, and and it's a great fight. What? How how old is uh Christian? Christian is twenty four. Do you, do you have that? Can you pull that up? Twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. Yeah. So you know, Christian, super well rounded guy. You know, Paul Felder's talked talked him up a lot. And guys, like if you ever maybe like ten years ago or so, ever maybe watched a UFC event then went to sleep, maybe smoked a little bit of weed, and, and went to sleep and dreamed. And were like, hmm, what would a fight like if uh, Anthony Pettis fought a Mexican luchador? What would happen? If you ever, like, dreamed that maybe, this is the fucking fight for you. Because this is exactly what this fight is. Because uh, Christian Rodriguez, I, t- I talk about, the- he, is a- he is a Pettis brother. He is a... He is a Sergio Pettis Anthony. He's a meme guy. He's got he's well rounded, slippery as fuck, right? He he gets out of these back takes, spins out of them. He's got you know little you know kind of quick you know uh, those Taekwondo hips. Um, and then on the feet, he's got a good jab. He's got better boxing. I think he's a little bit more actually like Sergio Pettis, um, but he's got pretty good boxing, straight shots, um, and he's got a good pace to him, and you know goes to the clinch as well, well, uh, uh, well. But an issue I have with this fight, Martian, is that it's at 135. Christian struggled to get down to 135 in the past. And with the pace that Raul brings, like, I thought it was an interesting soundbite. I think Raul was saying, oh, like, uh, I'm like 139 right now, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the hell he was saying. You know, you can barely understand what the fuck the kid's saying <laughs> when he talks. But um, he was saying he's like 139. So he was saying he's going to make 125 or whatever it is. But um, I hope he doesn't do that. But the the thing I was the takeaway I had is that man like I can see why at 135 even though maybe you let's say critique his technique and say oh man he's falling off the fucking guy's back you know he's making up for it with the with the fact that his dance dance revolution fucking speed Martian is too fast for these guys to keep up with while he's like 18 years old now um, and I think it might be a little bit too much for Christian Rodriguez. Uh, to, you know, on Saturday night. But if not, I do think Christian Rodriguez, I think he's got a good future either way. And he could definitely meme this guy. Knees, flying knees, elbows, spinning back kicks. I want to say all the spinning strikes. So in case that he lands one of these, I could claim that I predicted it. So spinning back fist, uh, spinning elbow, up elbow, um, or a submission of his own. So I'm int- interested to in seeing how this fight plays out, though. What do you think about Mando Gutierrez? I think he's on the Ultimate Fighter. Well, well, I, I, no, he's not. He got scrapped. Oh, he got scrapped. Fuck. 
Yeah. And yeah. you're following his career. You're on that guy's jock, huh? Yeah. Um, but Mando, bro, yeah. Mando, Mando, um, he fought my boy Mo Miller. Mando's solid, dude. He, he did. Yeah, I think Mando fought Mo Miller. No, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he lost. That's a good fight. Um, you should watch it. Um, but Mando sucks. He's he, not that he bad. Sucks. He's not that bad. Uh, I would say pretty bad. I don't know. I think. What do you think about this fight going long though? Like starts round three over I two could, and a half. I could see why that is appealing. Um, but I can also like, bro, Christian Rodriguez is a sniper. Like this guy's a finisher. You concur with you that he is not someone that's easily going to be submitted. Fading yeah. the Raul Rosas. Maybe you could find a way where you could get a no submission win by submission. I just do think that it's going to be tough to the Mando critique that you're saying. I understand what you're saying, Martian. But I just think that overall, positionally, though, he is very good. So I do think that, but I think that it could, it's going to be hard to submit uh, Christian Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and see if I can find uh, what is um, not Rosas ITD. If, uh, if I can find that. Not ITD is yeah. minus 165. Uh, nah, that's not interesting. Maybe you wait. Maybe you wait. Check, check, check on that later in the week again. You know, it might move in your favor. But I do think that it's going to be tough because what you also haven't seen with the kid is what is his submit like his history of submissions? They've been mostly rear naked chokes. I think maybe like one arm triangle. Um, I don't know how many how many he only going to have like five fights. So he, several. I don't know. Bars. Oh, he's got a few arm bars. I just don't know what's in his bag. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And I mean, I think this dude, Christian Rodriguez, has... he's he's slippery, man. This kid's slippery. He does those Anthony Pettis escapes. You know how Anthony Pettis, he's like a ghost when you put him in like a body triangle from the back. Charles Oliveira knows. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to keep this guy. He has still. had his back taken a fair amount, so I guess it wouldn't. He it can't. It can't completely yeah. shock me if he but, if Rosas does sub him. Like I said, my biggest issue is the guy's, you know, at 135. I don't know how, how, how he's in. But, like, he did move to fight ready. This is a real fight. It's a good, it's just, he's, he's no Jay Perrin. He's no Jay Perrin, that's for sure. No, he's no Jay Perrin. He's a good prospect. Um, if you bet Jay Perrin, I think you have to just keep going on Christian here. Um, oh, fuck. You know where I remember this kid from? <laughs> I was watching this Emerald City thing because I'm looking up him on Topology now. And went back to go watch because one of my friends, he was like, oh, yeah, my match, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I saw this kid against Gianni Grippo, and I was like, who the fuck is this kid? This Mexican-looking, you know, this weird-looking dude. Oh, shit, I didn't know that was him. Moving on to the welterweight division, Kevin oh. Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. We have this fight at Kevin Holland, minus 230. Oh, wow, Pons got bet today, plus 195 for Ponzinibbio. Uh, your turn to start this one off. Um, uh, man, I, I got too much to say about this fight. Ponzinibbio robbed me in that last fight when he knocked out my boy, uh, Morono. Um, but, you know, I do think that his durability is obviously waning. Um, you know, Holland, Holland, the concern for me is, uh, he's coming back kind of quick after that beating that he took from Wonderboy. He said he was, his hands were so messed up and stuff like that. And if you know anything about like the history of guys, your hands, like Uriah Faber, what are, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, when they hurt, they break it, then they come back, they're out for a while, some guys come back early, some guys come back late, but either way, they still fuck up their hands all the time, 
Michael McDonald, you know, another guy that actually fought Uriah Faber, I think, always had broken hands. So I don't like that. Obviously, if he breaks his hand, what's going to happen again this time? Like, does he they call the fight, whatever it is? Um, so if he doesn't, if he fucks around, like, Ponsonivio is not a guy that you should be playing around with because he's still throwing heat in the pocket, right? Obviously, you saw against Morono. Um, he he mixes up his attack, right? He throws to the body. He throws, you know, a great jab to the head, leg kicks. He can even grapple a bit as well. Comes from a good camp, um, can speak Spanish, right? So he's bilingual. So, you know, that means he's he's already has an advantage in the octagon. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think it should be a good fight. Um, but, yeah, Holland, he's concerned with all this other stuff. I don't know what's going on. But it's not that great of a style matchup. I was looking forward for something else, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I had to just rewatch, uh, you know, Ponz's last fight. I mean, I bet Morono KO there because I was like, oh, Ponz's chin seems to be going. I know Morono doesn't hit hard, but then Morono, you know, rocked him three times. I mean, Ponz, you know, delayed reaction, doing the chicken dance. I mean, his chin just seems, you know, pretty much completely gone. And uh, even though at one point in time, Santiago would probably, uh, you know, butcher Holland on the feet, I just think Holland's going to be, you know, way too quick and uh, probably powerful as well. Um, I am concerned that uh, Holland's coming off that uh, that you know KO loss, you know, got you know ate some massive shots there and never you know never really went down. It was a corner stoppage, but to me, I just don't think that Santiago is going to KO him. Right? We just saw Kevin eat all these you know head kicks and all these crazy strikes. Uh, so I think that he can eat whatever comes at Pons' way, and then so Pons isn't going to KO him. He's certainly not going to sub him. Uh, and then that means Pons is going to have to win rounds and win a decision here. But how is he going to win rounds when he seems to be getting hurt with, you know, almost every shot that lands on him? Um, so it just seems like a real tall task for Pons to to get this one done. Uh, I think Holland should win. Uh, you know, never an advocate for laying Holland juice. Uh, but I, I understand him being 70% here. I really do. I, I could think that maybe it could be even a little higher. It could be 75 Um because I just think Ponce has to win a decision, you know? So um, I like this fight to end ITD. I just think that these two are going to clash. Uh, Ponce is going to get rocked at some point. And, you know, Heaven, Holland can finish the fight uh, on the feet or on the floor. Um, and I just think at some point Ponce is going to get hurt and, you know, probably uh, get finished here. Um, and I like it better than uh, just uh, Holland ITD. I, you know, you might as well just take the fight ITD. Um, so... That's enough about that one for me. Uh, it's minus 132 for fight ends ITD, by the way. Uh, next fight, uh, Bantamweight division, Rob Fon versus Adrian Yanez. Great matchup here. Uh, Yanez minus 181, uh, Font plus 156. Banger uh, alert. So sort Banger of alert. similar story to what I was talking about in the last fight. Uh, Font, you know, definitely has some durability issues. Been dropped what six, seven times in his past two fights. Those are against, you know, all those, and they're against Marlon Vera. And we can't completely forget that he actually, you know, I think out, outside of getting rocked in the Vera fight, you know, he did look good in that fight. He he had his normal arsenal of, of of strikes, you know, mixing it up with the leg kicks, body shots, uh, targeting the head and the body with his punches. You know, the guy is a, a fantastic offensive striker. He, he's kind of similar to Yanez in some senses where they're both not, uh, you know, like super hard hitters. They just accumulate a ton of damage on you, hit you with so many strikes, and then they break you down in the later rounds. Um, but, uh, you know, Font, 
uh, just, you know, two years ago, you know, he would have been favored in this fight. Now, after we see him, you know, get hurt a lot, uh, you know, now he's, you know, uh, less, a little less than 40%. So uh, you can decide, is, is that justified? Is is Rob Font's durability enough of a concern where this line is justified? Or do you think Rob Font's durability issues might be getting a little bit overblown here? Uh, that's really what the fight comes down to to me. To me, I would lean with there being a little overblown just because predicting durability, man, it, it's hard to do. You know, we see guys, oh, they get knocked out and they're thinking, oh, they're done. And then all of a sudden they come back and they they, they rejuvenate. Um, or, you know, we think they're looking good lately. And then all of a sudden their chin, you know, gives that out of nowhere. So I'm not a big fan of predicting, you know, chins or durability. Um, I think, you know, you from my perspective, I'm trying to analyze the fight, um, not really considering uh, the, the the chin issue from Rob. And I think skill wise, without the, the durability, I think it's a really, really close fight. And it's it's very winnable for Font. I think he could have success on the feed here. And I think if anyone is having wrestling success, it will be Font. And he has mentioned in interviews this week that he's thinking about wrestling. I don't think Rob's going to come out and take this guy down in all three rounds and, you know, firmly outgrapple him. But in rounds, both these guys are probably going to be hitting each other a lot. And if they're competitive rounds where they're both getting hit and Rob lands a takedown, that could be, you know, the deciding factor to swing around his way. Um, so I think that's just a, something he has in his back pocket, maybe mixing in the takedown and, uh, you know, just skill for skill on the feet. I think these are going to be really good exchanges. Giannis should be a little quicker. Giannis is more durable. I understand um, Giannis being the favorite. I think I would say, you know, minus 150, minus 170. That's about right. But um I would probably be interested in Rob if it obviously weren't for the chin issues. Um, he he probably will have success here for portions of the fight, and then he'll get wobbled with some shot eventually. So, um, you know, maybe Rob's chin is just completely gone, and all this analysis is for nothing, and he gets blown out of the water here. But I think uh, we'll actually, you know, he he took a year off too, guys. You know, don't forget that that Aldo fight and those that Vera fight; those were four months apart. Those that was a terrible decision by him and everyone around him. So he's taking a year off. Hopefully his chin has, you know, come back a little bit and hopefully he provides a good fight for Yanez and gives him a good test. Uh, really, really good match. You're making here. Do you have a, do you have a pick? That's a good question. Um, I'll pick have a bet. No, no bet. That's not for sure. I'll pick Rob Font by decision, bro. I'll go with a little risky one here. You'll pick him, but you will not bet the Rob, Rob Font by decision. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So interesting fight here. Um, you know, I've, I'll tell you right off, the, I've never been a Rob Fon guy. You know, the guy's just poking people, you know, a lot of times, like, I feel like he's, he, he's just a very opportunistic, you know, guy, you know, they threw him Marlon Marais, you know, they threw him a bone, they, you know, Dana White, he's got ties to Massachusetts, to Boston, right? So he threw him a bone, right? They're like, how about I got you, I give you Marlon Marais, guys, you know, I'll, I'll hook you guys up. They're like, perfect, we'll knock that guy out. Um. You know, but then they then then it, it, it's like uh Tony Soprano, but then they hit you with the the Jose Aldo when you're fucking not looking, and then they got you with the the Marlon Vera on the back end. So you never know. You 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 sell your soul early, Martian. You see how they they make you sell your soul early for that Marlon Marias fight and that Cody one, and then you don't know what's even coming in the through the back door. But um, here against Yanas, I just feel that Rob. You know, when he's blitzing you, like when stuff's not coming back at him, he's great. He's good. But he's been looking real sketchy when he gets hit. Like he's looking like he's like the lights are like flickering and he's like, what's going on? Like, that's how he's going down. 
I've seen people like that before, like personally, like when they're like sparring and stuff like that. And when they realize they're a little, maybe a little too old or they're, you know, maybe their skills are deteriorating a little bit and they can't spar with the same level of people anymore. Right. You got to go from fighting with the pro guys to maybe the amateur dudes or the guys that, you know, they, they talk about having amateur fights, but never done it. You know, and they, you know, you kind of just your reaction time and you're just not reacting to getting hit well. Um, obviously, in the Marlon Vera fight, he came in, you know, off of weight and stuff like that. So it's a full camp. So I think there's going to be opportunity here to get in live on Adrian Yanez because, you know, when Rob Font, he, he is a, a unique style. But once you get your kind of timing, you just kind of see what he's doing. He's a little predictable with a lot of the strikes that he throws. He tries to mix them up a lot, you know, but. I do think that people do get his timing, you know, uh, in order and uh, and then they're able to kind of fill in, you know, in the gaps. And that's why he's getting dropped by Cheeto and, you know, these guys. And I think Adrian Yanez is a very, very capable boxer, understands patterns coming at him, understands how to manipulate them and then how to kind of fill in. That's how he started beating Randy Costa. You know, he started just, you know, Randy Costa would throw and he would start throwing either right after or, or right with him, and then he'd end, end the combinations with the stronger strikes. So I see that come, happening here, accumulation, and uh, Adrian Yanez winning the fight. And I'm very confident. This is one where I'm, I feel very confident Adrian Yanez will win. I'm not advocating saying, hey, run to the window, but I do think he's going to beat Rob Font. Do you have any tickets on him? I bet a little bit of Adrian Yanez... Uh, when it dipped to minus 160. But it, it's not, you know, not a full thing. But like I said, I'll be looking to bet him live if it ever goes, you know, if it dips too much. Because I think he's going to hurt Rob Font. I'm, I'm very confident. Yeah, I think minus 160 is a reasonable price. Um, I, If anyone's winning this fight with, like, no resistance, it's like 90% chance it's Giannis, right? You know, I don't I just, yeah, I just, I feel this is going to be a tough fight because Rob Font, when he's coming forward, man, he's throwing a lot of good attacks, right? He's got a lot of good attacks. So he mixes in the knees as well. You know, some of the, and kicks, the jab. Like kicks. I mean, we, we saw yeah, his Giannis jab and straight punches. with, with, with that's one thing I didn't mention is, you know, that's very relevant is, you know, Giannis struggled a lot with the jab of Randy Costa and, you know, Rob Font throws a ton of jabs. Yeah. But, but this dude, Randy Costa, he's quick. I watched, I rewatched that fight actually yesterday the suit brandy cost is quick man and he was like tagging him because he was just so fast like rob font he, he he's an overrated hitter as well like it's gonna go well for him yeah i hope i hope rob can make it competitive um co-main event time uh jorge masvidal versus uh gilbert burns gilbert burns is the favorite minus 450 jorge masvidal plus 350 a lot of people liking the big underdog price on masvidal this week i feel like he's you know obviously a fan favorite think that's got to be playing into it uh but you know what are you thinking here any interest on the big dog price on on jorge you know, I think maybe people, they, they maybe want to bet it a little bit. They're maybe looking at a few of the fights and stuff like that. And thinking Gilbert, you know, maybe is a guy that you could, uh, you can lead into a fight where uh, it's a little, there's more volatility to it. Because if he goes out and he does what he did, try to do to Neil Magny, I, I do think that he should, you know, win this fight very, very often. Um, you know, and obviously George is a different kind of grappler. I do think that he does well in... 
you know, neutralizing some positions, staying mobile a bit, but he's lost some of his athleticism in the last few years for sure. No doubt about it. Um, I don't think that's coming back either. And he, but he's good at maybe like trying to keep his like how he did against Damian Meyer, right? So a lot of he, sometimes he was denying the back, right? If he was keeping his back against the fence or against Colby, right? Where he's you know the guy. So I could see it happening similar to what uh, the problem Gilbert had with uh, Wonder Boy, where Wonder Boy was keeping his back to the fence, scooting up, things like that. Um, but otherwise than that, you know, I just think that if Gilbert decides to grapple gilbert is a good enough grappler that there's no way you can like i don't know how much offense like how much marzavdal can actually defend in terms of putting it in the place where you know he's winning as well where he's landing strikes and stuff like that like gilbert is probably one of the best now uh in terms of a jujitsu guy that can wrestle that can grapple right someone like how islam was like man uh, if a guy's good at jujitsu and he's good at you know has good wrestling like this is a tough opponent. And Gilbert had that, has that, and he's de been developing his striking. So I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, you know, I think that Gilbert's just going to win just because I'm trusting him to put in the grappling, you know, go for the grappling. And uh, it's just a different level with him on the ground. So I'm going to pick Gilbert. Just as we're recording this, um, I'm seeing a picture of Jorge uh, you know, like taking pictures before, and I don't know if it's the lighting or the angle, but he looks very flabby. Uh, and just I don't know. Gilbert's an animal right now, bro. Gilbert is peaking right now. He is an animal. He is team captain of of Killcliff. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll make this one short. I might you know sound stupid in retrospect, but I just don't think that Jorge has much of a chance in this fight to spend much time on it. I really don't. I don't see him stopping. Uh, you know, Burns putting him his back against the cage. Burns taking him down. I don't think that Jorge has the footwork uh, to stay off the cage. I mean, he's gonna need to be able to circle to avoid those attacks, and I don't think he's gonna do it. So I think Burns is gonna pin him against the cage. He's gonna take him down. He's gonna grind him out and. Um, you know, I don't think he'll submit Masvidal. Masvidal, uh, you know, stays pretty conservative. Like once he's being controlled, he's not one to like recklessly get up. Or uh, he's he's fairly good at you know working his way, you know, to one knee or getting back up to the cage. I just don't see. I don't think he's going to be able to break that grip. I think it's going to probably look like uh, the second or the first uh, Usman fight, where Usman just you know holding him and pinning him against the cage. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what Colby did to him. Couldn't stop it at all. Obviously, Colby has a lot more, like, reckless aggression than he, where he could drive the fight to the fence. But I don't know, man. I think Masvidal is drawing extremely thin. I think this line is probably accurate, honestly. The only bet I'm interested in is possibly playing this one to go the distance um, because I, uh, I I don't think that Burns' uh, submission, I, I mean, it's plus 230. I think it should probably be more like plus 300. So, um I'll just be looking to fade a finish here. I think that, uh, you know, it'll just be a grappling grind fest for uh, for Burns. Um, so that's enough about that one. Main event time, uh, middleweight division, the rematch, the fourth fight between these two guys, Alex Pereira versus Israel Adesanya. The odds for this one, uh, you have to scroll to a special part of best fight odds to find it. Minus 135 for Israel Adesanya. Alex Pereira comes back at plus 115 so what did the what did the line close at for the last fight ufc 281 bet online i think it closed at like minus 200 minus two uh minus 228 for israel adesanya um and 
you know, I thought that's that price was pretty accurate, like to how he looked, right? Round one, competitive round. Actually, Alex Pereira was winning the round. I didn't remember this until I rewatched it, but Alex Pereira would have won that round if it weren't for Izzy tagging him at the bell. So we had one close round in in uh, on the feet. Round two, Alex Pereira miraculously recovered from being rocked, came back and you know went on to outstrike Israel Adesanya in that round, hit his own takedown. Round three, um, Alex Pereira attempted a really sloppy takedown, and then Israel actually turned that and got his own takedown, and Alex Pereira looked awful off of his back i mean he looked completely helpless uh, obviously adesanya not known for his top game but it didn't at any point for three minutes straight look like alex Pereira was even close to standing up um and then round four alex Pereira looked completely you know gassed he didn't he barely threw a strike Pereira outstruck him the entire round and then all his coaches had to do was tell him to go for it go knock him out Pereira got a second win charged izzy you know landed some punches and knocked him out so that's my that's my quick and short analysis of the fight, but just going back and rewatching it. So I was thinking I was thinking about this fight in the same way I was thinking about Usman versus Edwards and Usman. Oh, he was up three or three one. He was one round away from winning a decision. And that's what Izzy was. He was three up three one one round away. And just going back and rewatching it, though, that round one was so close, right? Up until that moment uh, with, with the punch at the end, it was Pereira's round. So it really could have been 2-2 going into round five. And then all of a sudden, the round five knockout isn't that crazy. So I just think that when these guys are on the feet, which is the most likely way the fight is going to go, it's it's extremely even between these the two of them. You have Alex Pereira landing the lead hand more, landing the jab, landing the left hook. You have Israel Adesanya landing the right hand more, using that one-two, that long one-two of his, and landing the right hand. Uh, both guys were exchanging leg kicks throughout the fight. Both guys landed their own takedowns. One area of the fight I think is really key, and not a lot of people pay attention to it, is the clinch. And we saw... Um, when Pereira would come forward, Izzy would clinch him up, and he would use that clinch as kind of like a safety net. But uh, Isra Adesanya, for being a lifelong striker, he has very little offense from the clinch. He doesn't throw knees to the bodies. He doesn't throw many elbows at all. I was actually surprised at you know how ineffective uh, Israel was from the clinch. So I think that um, man, I, I it's a tough fight, and I initially was thinking Isra Adesanya. I was thinking that this price seems pretty good, minus one thirty-five. But rewatching the fight, thinking about how they've all gone, thinking about the mental barrier for this one for Izzy, you know, right? The guy is technically zero and three against him. He's been knocked out two times. His what I was thinking is in in kickboxing, you know, he had the two losses, but then he had a fresh start. You know, Israel had so much more MMA experience. He was the UFC champion. He had been in so many five-round fights. He had all these advantages over Pereira. He was up 3-1. He had all this stuff going for him, and he still couldn't get it done. At a certain point, there has to be like a mental hurdle that Israel uh, is at. I mean, and I don't know, man. I don't know if, if he can truly get past it. I think, you know, it's possible that Alex just has his number. So initially, I was thinking it was going to be Izzy. Just like a couple weeks ago, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be Usman again. But I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to touch this fight. I'm going to hope for a fun fight. going to hope for a competitive fight. Um, but I got a nasty feeling that Alex is going to somehow pull this one off, which is not wow. at all what I was thinking. Not what all at all what I was thinking going into this fight. But really thinking about it and rewatching the fight, I think Alex will win. Wow, Stephen A. Against your boy, uh, Israel Adesanya, so like so heavily, Stephen A. I didn't expect that from you. 
I don't get it. Um, I don't get the Stephen A. Smith. What about it? I'm just saying, like, yeah, you're going, to, you know, talk uh, morning talk show radio. Like, yo, like the mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, Mental that's right. hurdle. How much you want it? Legacy. <laughs> How can you overcome? This is going to be a Netflix episode, right? We're leaning into that. Make sure the cameras are on you the whole training camp, Izzy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this fight. And as well, you know, watching it again, the thing that uh, impressed me the most of it, what I was considering was how uh, often that fight was in that range where Izzy was just standing in front of Alex, kind of like back against the fence, kind of like, you know, twinkle toes and twinkle toeing, you know, left or right. And Pereira's trying to like hit him. And this dude's just dodging on being snake-like and all that. Um, you know, other good exchanges obviously touched on the clinch stuff where Alex, you know, I think with his height, it honestly, like, his hips were at this, like, motherfucker's, like, ribcage. So it's kind of, I think, hard to throw knees at him. Um, he's kind of, like, on stilts. Like, if you saw his sister that fought MMA as well, um, she's got that same body type as well. It's like they're on stilts, and, and then their hips are, like, you know, crazy high. I don't know. Weird body. But yeah, you know, he would take the uh, opportunity to land little strikes in there to wear down Izzy um, in using that size that he has. But, um, you know, I do think that his ground game is a super big issue here. I can see is Izzy eventually needs to get a submission. This would be the time to do it, dude. Like, who else are you going to gra- uh, fight that you're going to have this kind of grappling advantage over? Nobody. So get a submission, dude. Um, this is what I did when I fought. Like, come on, submit these guys. But anyway, um, yeah, I just think that he has a real hard time given that he can't control the range against Alex, given that Alex is the same height as him, basically the same reach. And, you know, that circle and the the way that Izzy likes to uh, bring his range out, he likes to circle, you know, off and kind of you know, uh, keep you, keep you at a, you know, super long distance. It doesn't really work with Alex because Alex is always pressing forward. He's always uh, winding up that big left hook uh, and cutting off the cage really well. So I too, am going to be on, I think Alex Pereira here, you know, what I first did was I picked up some Izzy submission because I just think that, you know, if he hits the submission and I don't have it, given that I bet it, like, I think I bet it against Vittori and somebody else, I don't know, maybe two or three times. So I'm like, fuck it, I got to do it again. So I'm going to bet some, I bet that, and I'm trying to see what, you know, what's from now to the fight, when's going to be the best uh, price to get on Pereira. But I think I'm going to have a small position on him, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that he's going to be able to connect clean, you know, uh, as simple as that. And then if it does go to the ground, I hope that Izzy chokes his ass out. What do you what do you think like w- do you expect any like changes from either guy here in this fight like any changes I feel like yeah I mean um I I think that Alex is going to throw even more leg kicks than he did last time um cuz he clearly hurt him you know bad with the leg kicks so I think he's going to uh you know look to throw more of those um and uh and then no and then everything else for him I think is going to be pretty similar you know maybe in the clinch you know, even double down, like even throw, like look to throw more strikes. Like don't look to do no fucking takedowns or no, you know, engage in grappling, you know? So that's about it. Yeah. I think, and Izzy, Izzy I do think Izzy will, I do think Izzy will look to get a takedown. So. Yeah. 
I think is he needs to throw less leg kicks, try to land more right hands. I mean, you know, when he landed the right hand, it seemed to to hurt his ear to Pereira. And then, yeah, I mean, he he got to the body lock a lot of times. I mean, if he could turn those into trips, you know, to get that's two the thing. Here. That's the thing that I'm saying. Like when I'm thinking about Izzy going for take, like, bro, can Izzy really like do like a double leg takedown against the fence on this guy? Like that shit ain't fucking happening. No, so he did. He failed one. He went for one in round. Yeah, one and failed I don't one. think it's gonna happen, dude. So it's gonna be tough to take Pereira down. It took it him. took Alex. It took Alex getting out of position. You know, to wow, on, yeah, Alex like, took him down super easy on DraftKings. They have Israel one takedown minus 210. That seems fucking high, man. That's yeah, 67%. He gets or 68%. He gets one takedown. Fuck that. Um, yeah, I don't know all right, that. that's enough about that one. Uh, Miami this weekend should be, uh, should be a good card. I think the main, I think they structured the main card pretty well. I mean, you know. You know, Rosas, 18 years old, kicking it off. Holland, that should be fun. Font, Yanez should be good. I think Burns, Mazadal might kill the whole momentum, though. It might just be a total snooze fest. We might get Burns. We might get Burns, Santiago, and Holland, uh, Mazadal. So, you know. Yeah. And then, and then what if Israel wins? Are they going to do that fight again? Are they just gonna, like, that would be fucking horrible if they just keep. I, I mean, the UFC know. has so many rematches, man. They need to, they need to get some original fights. But um, all right, that's enough about that one. Um, tread lightly on the underdogs this weekend. You know, pay per views we've been getting fucked with underdogs. Um, actually, I don't know if that's true, but um, who knows? All right, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Hope you all win some bets. See you all before the next UFC card. Peace out, everyone.